Hey, boys and girls. It's your favorite fat man at the front desk, Jason Modcast founder David K. Montoya, and I interrupt this fantastic, stupendous podcast with these important messages. Starting February 2nd, the Jason Modcast network is going to be black. It's going to be black for the following 27 days. That's right. For the entire month of February, we're going black. Uh, and But we will be back March 1st. Uh, we've got some things that we need to get caught up on, you know, with the holidays behind us now. It's just time to get caught up. And, you know, plus I'm working on this little cartoon thing. It kind of put a little bit of my attention. Not, not a real big deal. But for an added bonus, though, two shows will continue to go on, even though the rest of the, of the other podcast shows are going to be going black. On Tuesdays, the boys from the Great White North, the movie Madhouse, will continuing to run their regular show and then as an added bonus Fridays you'll get to hear my fat ass talk for a little while as we go and we enjoy the flashback Fridays and then like I said February 2nd to February 28th no added shows that means no scene red no uh, tree frog expose cafe or who's the boss what we think uh, don't get us started. So those shows will be returning. Then on March 1st, which is a Saturday, we start things right back up with what we think. And then from then until next year, we'll be running straight and smooth. So I just wanted to give you folks a heads up. And just to let you know, because we got some time before February 2nd, but I don't want you going to your favorite iTunes or your Stitcher trying to find a new podcast and like what happened so there you go all right that's it from this end this is your favorite fat man at the front desk david k montoya and now enjoy this fantastic jason modcast show and now enjoy this free jason modcast show not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya, S.A. Burbank Podcast. We're S.A. Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. <laughs> it's the game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. Let's pick it up, let's pick it up. Let's actually make some. And see, I came up with more. Google it. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. It's Monday night, so let's find out what the fuck we think. I'm David K. Montoya. And I am S. Sadie Burbank. Welcome to 2014. Oh, yes, it is. Well, actually, this is what, our second show of 2014. Yes. But I don't think we said welcome last time, did we? I don't think so. I don't think so. <clears throat> I think we were more caught up in the fact that it was our 30th episode. Uh, that could be, yeah. yeah. Well, anyhow, welcome to 2014. How's it treating you so far? So far, so good. Good. You know, but hey, <laughs> the year is young. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so far, pretty good. It's been comfortable weather. And, you know, I'm still taking down decos and stuff. You know how that goes. Right. I take down decos for about a month and a half. Spend two weeks putting them up and a month taking them down. And yeah. But um, other than that, going good. I'm hoping this will be Ernie's retirement year. Yes. He doesn't. He doesn't say no as vehemently as he has in the past when we discuss it. So we'll see. But I'm really, I'm really heart set on. Plus, he told me that the other day he mentioned to his boss because they were laying off some people at work, you know, right. and he said, "Yeah, lay me off. My wife will kiss you or something like that, <laughs> you know, something to that effect." And so I think, I think he is planning on it. He's just, I'm, and I, I'm afraid to say. So when are you thinking you might, you know, because right. I know he doesn't want to make a commitment yet, but I'm hoping sometime between now and June, if I get anything before June, I'll think I died and went to heaven <laughs> and he better do it soon before I do that, you know, because damn, I'm older than he is by a lot. Seven years. At our age, seven years is a lot. I know it doesn't seem like a lot maybe at your age, but at our age, seven years is a lot. Actually, I was thinking... I believe Rebecca and Aaron are seven years yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, it's like on the other end of the spectrum. Right. You know, when when you look, when <laughs> I look ahead to how many more years I have left, 
I can still hopefully count them in multiples of seven, but, you know, not for very much longer. Right. So, anyhow, uh, yeah, I'm hoping he'll he'll retire. Plus, his brother's already talking about retiring. He He's had enough fun out in the business world. So Well, I did meet a 101-year-old this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, she came in because she was uh, she she a former smoker. She having yeah. respiratory issues and you know high heart rate, but <clears throat> she got positioned and they got her comfortable and they put that fucking laptop right in there and she's like click 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 <laughs> surfing Facebook. Oh yeah, hundred one year old. I'm oh, like yeah. right on. I know. Well, there was a guy in the gas station uh, just yesterday, ninety years old. He was really cute when we. When I went in, he was at the door before me, so he held the door, and I hobbled in, and he hobbled in behind me. And, and then when we left, same thing, only he was at the door ahead of time, so he held the door for me to go out, you know. And somehow we got right on the, the age issue, you know, and he said something about being 61 or something like that. And I said, well, I'm 73, because this guy, he could have passed for 60-something. Really? Yeah, he looked good. And... um and then he says, I, he, I said, I'm 73. And he says, I was born in nine, on nine twenty three twenty three, And he says, I'm 90. And I said, you're all, you're holding up very well. For yes. And we, well, we were talking about it being a good day. And, and I said, yeah, you woke up breathing this morning. It was a good day, huh? <laughs> you know, and he goes, yeah. Well, then he went to get in his, to get gas to put in his car, you know, I mean, to his car to put gas in it. Right. And I said, you got yourself a hot looking ride there. He had this yellow stang. It was really, yeah, it was about a 93 or so, you know, but nice, not, I was going to say fire engine yellow, but hello, <clears throat> that's red. But anyhow, you know, nice bright yellow. Yes. Mustard. No, just this side of mustard yellow. Okay. Uh, staying and it looked you know and he says yeah it's pretty snazzy huh <laughs> you know or something like that you know that's cool. a cute old guy yeah it was it was fun one i hope i make it to that age you know yeah. in the 90s and two if i make it to that age i hope i'm with in it enough condition. yes yeah me too i know that's what i keep hoping for yeah nobody wants to look forward to you know being flat on their back for the rest of their lives uh when you're old and sick you know that's that's hard. I mean, there's lots of people that are flat on their back and, right. and doing very well. But, um, <clears throat> you know, if I'm if I'm conscious and aware <laughs> and and can do something, I'll be happy. Yeah, I'll be happy. I, I'm glad you brought up flat on your back and doing things because, you know, you're you're the queen of Segway. So here we go. Here comes <laughs> your Segway. I do seem to have that knack, don't I? I don't know why. Speaking just... of, you know, doing something and, and being flat on my back and i i talked to you about this before we started recording and i i'm really searching to understand myself and mm -hmm. i know to some listeners that may sound really strange but i want to understand the things that i do and why i do them and we talked about this in the intervention podcast that i, I want to feel accomplished i want and it's all for me you know and at first i was thinking it was for other people but when we broke it down i realized it was me trying to please myself to prove to myself that I'm not, you know, someone that lays on their back and sits on their ass mm -hmm. and don't do anything. And it's all me. And I thought, well, you know, looking through everything that I've done, because, you know, I started writing when I was 13 years old. Mm -hmm. I put together my first makeshift comic book and sold it at 14 years old. Mm -hmm. And from then on, I had been doing things, you know, publishing. Mm -hmm. But all the time, all that time, I've been, was always trying to prove to myself something. And because this is the new year and, and, you know, for some reason I have the inability to, to understand that the, the projects that I have in 2013 fall over to 2014 with yeah, me. Yeah, they do. It's kind of like, yeah, like bills. Yes. They don't go away with the, the end of the year, unfortunately. Well, the publisher in me's got that itch. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> so I'm going to announce that sometime this year, I am releasing an autobiography. Ah. Um, it's called "Being Me: The Day in the Life of an American Dreamer," and I kind of get goosebumps thinking about that because when I was trying to think about who who am I, who am I, and it's it's not so much that I'm a writer or an artist, I'm a dreamer. That's what 
I am. I dream things. That's just me. And your form of expression of yes. those dreams is to write. And so I'm, stuff like that. I'm going to go in and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my, my life story. And though there's, I'm going to leave out the uninteresting parts because everybody has un- uninteresting parts of their life. Most uh, of us. I'm, I'm going to be very honest and there is going to be people that I'm going to ask not to read the book. <laughs> Gee, doesn't that sound familiar? <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know, and, and I mean, as far as like my mom can read it and nothing in that type of being honesty, but there's, there's going to be truth being told. And I know certain friends and family members, they won't handle the truth. And that would just start, you know, a fight, but it needs to be told. I mm. need to be. Does it need to be told or you just need to tell it? To For me to be completely honest and open in the book, mm-hmm. it has to be told. Mm. Okay. So that's something that I'm going to work on. I've already put the format together. Right. And I, I saw got, some of the and, and beginnings I, of it there. I have it broken down into 21 chapters. I didn't make your 33, but I got 21 <laughs> cha- <laughs> I got 21 chapters laid out, so. Well, that's great. That's great. I uh I think you'll be glad you did it when it's all done. It, it, I can warn you now. It it's going to be harrowing. It's 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 uh it's funny cuz we think we know ourselves, we think we know our history, we think we know our past. Right. But until you start in detail recalling that and not just in detail but in writing uh recalling that past um it, it, it takes on a different perspective. There are, there are things that you've made yourself forget that you'll remember. And and whether or not you want to include them in that dissertation, if you will, right, uh, is going to be up to you. But uh, it, it's it's going to be a, a chore. It's going to be a chore. Line I one, promise you. line one was a chore. Believe it or not. Yeah. And I'm I'm gonna give everybody yeah. I'm gonna give everybody the very first sentence. Okay. And it is for many years I thought I was an idiot. Yeah. And that's how the book opens. Yeah. And that was that was very hard for me to Well, I, I you know, it's always there. Yeah. I never forget it, but when you pull it up, when you pull that memory up, yeah. unfortunately you pull the emotion yeah. up with it. Yeah. And that's that's very hard i know i know trust me i know yeah it's gonna be you're gonna be glad you did it i think there'll be times when you won't be um you know you probably cry a lot i you know there it's funny because i've I've (laughs) written things that well brand new puppy is one when I wrote Brand New Puppy, I cried through the whole damn thing. (laughs) (laughs) It was really funny because I was watching um the fuck was that movie? Little Women. Right. Where uh the 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 sister daughter whatever she is uh that is the the writer to be the one that wants to be a writer. Right. Uh she's she's sitting there crying and sobbing, you know, and her little <laughs> sister comes up and what's the matter? And she says my story. She's oh, what is it bad? She goes, "No, it's beautiful." <laughs> yeah, and and that's kind of what happens to you you do get caught up in it and it's it's an odd sensation because you're putting the the words out there you're putting the feeling out there and yet um there's um it's not like it's a surprise and makes you cry it's just that it's it's very emotional yes i I don't really know how to put it other than that it's just no it is it's very emotional and the other uh the one that i wrote about um Orange Cat, yes. the the uh, not sequel, but the the add on to Orange Cat uh, about the snow and stuff. Yeah, yeah. When I wrote that, uh, it brought me to tears just because it uh, it took me back to almost forgotten childhood memories, and so that was kind of cool. You yeah. know, it's good and cathartic and all of that, but right. you'll cry. There's gonna be you. there's gonna be a part, and I I put it in there. And if anybody that knows me knows that 
in 2010, my life just took a tailspin yeah, for the worst. Yeah, kind of dumped all over the place for a while. Yeah. And I'm going to be very honest about it. I'm going to be honest to the point of how many times I thought about taking my life yeah. and how close I actually did get to taking my life. And it's, again, it's something that I'm not looking forward to saying. Yeah. But to tell yeah. the story. Yeah. It has to be told. There you go. But on an upside to that, yeah. I have ascended from the depths. And you were there. I mean, even though oh, you yeah. were 700 miles away, yeah. you were there. You knew was, exactly what I was going through. I was all, I was, I was I was there, yeah. <laughs> and things have gotten better. We've moved into this small apartment, and now, like I was telling you off air, it looks like we're going to move into a brand new house. Which will be delightful for you. It really, you know. I mean, there's so many things this year can bring to you, both of you, Lacey and you. Um, that one particular application that we were discussing earlier, right? I'm hoping is going to come through. Uh, this thing with the house is possibly going to work out. The baby's gotten to the point where she's almost communicative and capable, uh, which is going to relieve you guys of an awful lot of responsibility. Yes. Uh, you've got Jay at a point where he's he's pretty well rolling on his own, so to speak. As, yeah, absolutely. As, as well as any 12-year-old kid does, you know. <laughs> let alone one who's facing issues of autism as well. Right. Um, and so, you know, lots of, I don't want to say cheerful, because that's such a sucky word. But but it is. It's, uh, a, it's an appropriate word. Happy prospects. Yes. Uh, seem seem to be just within reach now. And and that's that's a good thing. So. And I, I've been saving this, because we talked about this a couple episodes ago, about how we, we you know, we really don't do the New Year's resolution thing. Mm-hmm. I have one this year. Oh, my God. Really? What yes. is it? To try harder. <laughs> try harder, not try so hard. <laughs> that's No, that's seriously, that's that's my thing. I want to attempt to try harder because I get to a certain point, like I'm like, ah, oh, and I back off. But you have to just push and push and push. Well, it depends on what you're pushing. Okay, uh, I I put it I I tag that that cutesy two word resolution. I tag it with a with a codicil because don't end up in the hospital. Well, <laughs> I, I I for you I would say try harder uh -huh. to know when not to try so hard. That's that's mind blowing right there. Vector. <laughs> that's what I that's what I would wish for you. Because yes, there are times when absolutely you have to go on and and push because you're the only one pushing and if you don't push it it isn't going to happen and right. and it does need to. Uh, no doubt. But uh on the other hand there are times when uh you know a bloody stump on a brick wall comes to mind. Right. And so you, you want to try harder to, to, to recognize, you know, it's, it's the old, uh, what was that? God, give me the strength to know the difference between, you know, shit I can help and shit I can't help. Right, right. That's so poorly said. <laughs> <laughs> There's one of the most beautiful pieces of, of poetic prose, if you will, ever written. <laughs> St. Francis is probably rolling over in his grave in Assisi or wherever the fuck it is. But, you know, basically that's, yes. that's it. You know, you, 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 you need to accept as unchangeable those things that either are unchangeable or for now right. are unchangeable. You know, because you can't, you can't fix everything all at once anyhow. So, you know, just fix the stuff that you can fix. And gracefully accept the stuff you can't fix for now. Right. You know, you, another way to say it is is what they came out with uh, 20 years ago or so. Use the ABCD method. You What's know. that? Sorry, well, I just took a gulp of soda. <laughs> when, when uh, I don't know where I picked it up. 
one of those uh, inspirational businessman type okay. things where you know people complained of a cluttered desk all the time. Right. And uh, the sign of a, a good employee to some was a clean desk, and to others was a cluttered desk, and right. you know, somewhere in between. And and uh, they taught us at this uh, one thing. I think it was a manager's meeting for KOA, actually, that I went to. And they taught us uh, to clean your desk. And this can be um, um, figuratively or literally. To clean your desk, you know, you take each piece of paper off the desk and you look at it. And it becomes instantly an A, B, C, or D. A being has to be dealt with immediately, B has to be dealt with within 24 hours, has, and C has to be dealt with within the week, and D never have to look at it again, that sort of thing. Ah, okay. And you can, you can put your own um, time limits on them. Right. But the, the idea is for you to, to realize that not everything on your desk is an A. Right. Conversely, not everything on your desk is D either. Somewhere in between you know, is the reality of the, of the whole subject. And, and that's why uh, a clean desk may or may not mean you've accomplished something, you know, because you can sweep everything into a wastebasket and have a clean desk. Yes. So you haven't really gotten anywhere. Uh, but by looking at your, um, like you made, you were talking earlier off camera or off mic about um, the listing of things you had done so far this week. And I said, you you know make a list of what you want to do maybe two right. that would sort of be an a b c d kind of thing you know because you can make a list i can make we all can make lists of stuff we want to do you know in the new year in the new week in the new day in the you know whatever right. time frame you're talking about and then uh prioritize it right how important is it to me to get this done how important it is to my family for me to get this done? How important is it to, I don't know, whoever you care right. about, you know, and that I get this done? How, is, how important is it to my job that I get this thing done? How important is it to the important things in my life that I get this thing done? You know, and that's how you prioritize. That's how you prioritize things. And and if you find yourself with a long list of shit that doesn't really need to get done, toss it, toss it, and just keep the A's and the B's and some of the C's. Right. You know, and truthfully, most everything is either A or B. Anything after that is is really mostly D's. There aren't too many C's in the world, you know. <clears throat> and so that's that's a way, uh, a technique, if you will, uh, to 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 face because you know you you I know you you like to commit yes you're a king of commitment <laughs> you know you're a committing king you're a committing fool you will commit to darn near anything if you if you believe in it right. you'll commit to it and I would suggest that you still only have like all the rest of us twenty four hours in your day yes <laughs> you know three hundred sixty five in your year nobody's got any more than that so. Those things that you want to commit to, you know, you you have, it's, it's not just you. If you were a single man with no kids, no wife, right, no job necessarily, you know, if you were alone in the world, you could commit to anything you wanted, anytime you wanted, and who the hell would know or care. Right. But you're not any of those things. You're not a single man. You're not fatherless. You're not jobless. You're not homeless. You are all those things. You have all those things. And so... That, unfortunately, has to be considered when you decide to commit to, right. to something, you know. Like you, you had said you wanted to get the house, but you didn't want to do it until, you know, didn't want to take steps until you knew Lacey also approved. And that's what Absolutely. I'm talking about. Yeah. You, you, you make those kinds of commitments with all these other factions in mind. And if you can't, if, if. Um, your home life, your family, your job are brick walls to a commitment of some sort or other, then it's clear what you have to do right. or not do. You know, and you can't halfway commit because you can't halfway commit. It's not in you. <coughs> so, <laughs> then, so then you say, okay, that's a D. 
And now, a word from our sponsors. Before 1971, a young S. Sadie Burbank could only imagine a simple American life as a loving wife and mother. That was her goal when she first married in 1959 at the age of 18. But with the wild social revolution of the 1960s, Burbank's idea of a perfect life would quickly change as she left behind her family to begin a new existence of her own. Her journey would find her on a plane headed toward her new lover, Steve, who was halfway across the world, waiting her arrival in a small bush camp in the country of Liberia. Once there, Sadie is greeted with a fascinating, strange world and plunges herself into the exotic land of the bush. But less than six months later, Sadie would realize all was not as it seemed, and Steve was not the man she fell in love with. Burbank found herself desperately seeking escape from the camp and her lover as she raced back to Robertsfield Airport, literally running for her life. Based on an unbelievably true story by S. Sadie Burbank, Red Hills, Green Vines, and Dried Monkey Meat for Dinner is a manuscript of Burbank's adventurous and deadly experience during a time filled with sex, drugs, and murder. Now available in paperback and hardback. For more information, log into www.redhills.us. Are you looking for a new book, comic, or apparel from your favorite MythWorks or independent creators? Then you're in the right place. Introducing the all-new redesigned MythMart store. Now bigger, badder, better. Sign up and become a member and receive 10 to 50% off on selected items. Get the all-new Terry D. Shearer's Bloody Hell t-shirt or non-members can pick up one of our e-books for only $4.95. Or go into the past and relive the 90s with MythWorks Comics Classics for $3.99. The new MythMart. Bigger, badder, better. Visit MythMart at www.mythworks.com slash MythMart. Or find us on Facebook for extra savings. Do you own a business or have an item you want to sling? Do you want a chance to reach potential customers? Do you want to make some extra cash? Then here's your chance. For $50, you can have a one to two minute commercial featured on each of our shows for an entire month. With six shows a week, that's only $2.09 per podcast. Plus, for an extra 10 bucks, your item will be placed into MythMart. So sit back and relax as they handle all stages of transactions. Contact our ad department at info at Well, that's, that's funny you bring that up because one of the things um, that happened on New Year's Day was I finished the the tail end of a Yotnam. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there th- reading through the script mm-hmm. and just thinking about things. And I was like trying to, as you said, prioritize. Mm-hmm. And, and you know this more than anybody. I love the podcast. Mm-hmm. There's something that just does it for mm-hmm. me. I don't know if it's just that overly need to communicate with people all the fucking time. You know, that's just me. I just like, you know, I'm not sure what it is. I I have the same feeling and I'm not sure what it is. Truthfully. I'm not real sure why it, it rejuvenates. Yes. It rejuvenates. Yes. Maybe we just like the sound of our own voice. Yeah, there it is. There it is. You know, who knows? But one of the things I was thinking was, is like, as I was reading through the script, I was like, you know, I think maybe, you know, six to eight weeks of of practice and rehearsal should be sufficient to the amount of pages that are Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, you know, that's, for me, I'm going to have to be the director Mm -hmm. of this. So I have to say, okay, read it with this type of inflection Mm -hmm. to every single character. Mm And that means that I'm going to have to commit my time to do this, you know, because 
above anything right now, project-wise, a yolk gnome is the biggest project out there mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than what I just announced as you know, part of the book. Mm-hmm. It's actually bigger than the podcasting. Mm-hmm. That's where I was going with it. Mm-hmm. Is when we start the point of rehearsals for that six to eight weeks, mm-hmm. there's not going to be no podcasting. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. I'm committing to the mm-hmm. that project. Mm-hmm. So Or we could podcast the uh the working on the project. That might be interesting. Ooh. Oh, I'm so good. I know. I know. Tell I me. I didn't even think about tell it. Tell me I'm so good. <laughs> uh, listen, I would suggest to you too, um, and I don't really know how the fuck you're going to do this, but um, something you said made me think. wonder if it's the way to do it. Uh, when you said you're going to have to tell different uh, the different actors how you want them to read. Right. Uh, I think maybe what directors do who do this right, right. professionally uh, is not so much say how they want it read as they tell the actor what the personality is that they're trying to bring out. What? Oh, maybe you misunderstood what I meant. I meant more like, okay, there's a scene where a person has to be angry. You know, well, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what I was meaning more but, like well, that you, than inflection was the word you used. Yeah, and, and used... Uh, again, uh, an actor who's a professional, right. which I am so not, uh, probably knows if he's if he's portraying, um, you know, a guy that uh, who's got a short fuse, for example, right, and somebody has set him off. He pretty well knows he needs to be angry. Right. Right. And so you may not need to tell him that you want him to have an angry inflection in his voice as much as you want him to know that, you know, he, this is where he's been pissed off. You may not even have to tell him that if he, if he knows, if he's read the script right. and he knows his character, he probably knows he's supposed to be angry, but it would be a thing where you would want to make, I would think it was me doing it. I would make side notes on the script for each um uh character uh-huh and in like uh in each scene uh-huh. and i would say this is you know to me this is where they're angry this is where they're verbally fighting this is where they're making love this is where they're uh flirting this is where you know whatever the fuck right so that you would remember that that's kind of what you want to hear from them and then if you're not hearing it from them that's when you would maybe want to step in and say, you know, I need more anger from you. Right, right. You don't really sound angry. You sound it's whatever they sound. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, give them the chance to bring it, you know, uh, or and to discuss it with you, you know, by letting them know that you're that you're open to that discussion you know or oh, absolutely. even ahead of time i know they they have what they call read throughs <clears throat> yes i've seen we've all seen it in the movies and and in uh, little documentaries on how they made movies and shit they always have these read throughs and that would kind of be a time when um those kinds of things would get hashed out right you know and that would be a time when the actor would be if i am not mistaken he would be making notes on his script, you know, here's, right. you know, emphasize anger, emphasize whatever the fuck. So, um, you know, it's going to be a new experience for you because you've never done this before. No, no. You know, it's, it's, plus you're going to be actually working with some people who are professional. Yes. Not like all of us who don't know our butts from all on the ground. We're going to be going, I don't know, what do you think? Does that sound good? Um you know, especially me, because when I when I read, like when I'm reading Red Hills, you know, into the computer, right? I have a tendency to be very critical of the way I sound, and not in the usual way that people don't like the way they sound when they hear themselves recorded, but um, because I my to me my voice, my narrative voice is very monotone, very blah, uh, and 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 I compare myself. To people like, uh, who's that one guy that I always say, I wish I sounded, Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. God, I wish I had that kind of voice that, or, or any of the, the hundreds of others who have, who, who've done this for a living, who've, 
been the voice of cartoon people or they are the voice of, of commercials, for example. Right. Um, and I can think of lots of them. I just can't recall their names quick enough to, you know, for today. Right, right. <laughs> you know, but... Um, <clears throat> George LaFontaine. You know who? Uh, oh, is that Big Dick or somebody? No, George no. LaFontaine. He was the guy <laughs> since the 70s, you know. Coming this summer. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah. yeah, him for sure. Yeah, I knew him by by action more than yeah. by title. Yeah, that's no, I was thinking more of um, God bless it. I wish Ernie was here. I could say, "Who's that guy?" And he'd say, "It's so and so." Um, did you ever see the movie Duets? No. No. Well, that's really sad. You should see that movie. I, I've never even heard of really it. Really good. Oh, is yeah. it an older movie or? Uh, can you Google while we're doing this? Yeah. Okay, Google duets, please. Okay. And and then I get his I'll get his name and then we'll have a, a duets is about. Oh boy, I hate doing that to a writer because I hate putting their their life's blood in a nutshell for them. But it's about. Okay, it's about. A bunch of people, <laughs> and their story is told through their actual musical duets that they perform, or the fact that they are performing them, not so much told through the story. Okay. Uh, I didn't say that well at all. But anyway, um, Paul Giamatti, he's doing commercials right now for, <clears throat> I think it's for an insurance company, but his his voice is just by its own character. It's unmistakably his voice. Right. Okay. And I haven't even really verified that he's doing this. I just know that voice, <laughs> you know. And that's what I wish I had. I wish I had a, an unmistakable sound right. to, to my voice right. that people could go, whoa, that's Sadie Burbank. Man, I know that voice, you know, because to me, I don't. To me, I just sound very bleh. <laughs> Very, uh, I'm gesturing a one level. There's no ups, there's no downs, there's no... You haven't not, listened to yourself on the podcast, have no, you? No, <laughs> I suppose I haven't, but I have listened to myself uh, with the recording right? a couple of times. I've listened to it, and I, not a lot, you know, but to me it just doesn't sound like, because I'm reading... Uh, how can I say this? I'm just reading a book. Right. And so it doesn't have uh, the parts. Okay, the parts where I'm reading some dialogue. Yes, because there I do put the inflection in my voice that I would have had. When you said it. When I said it. Right. Or that the other person who was speaking would have had when they said what they said. But for the rest of it, you know, we, we walk down the path and into the camp, you know, we walk down the path and into the camp, sounds very, blah, 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 you know, you know what I mean? Right. But there's only, you know, one way to read something like that. Well, yeah, maybe there is. Maybe it's just by virtue of the fact that they have these recognizable tones to their voice right. that I don't have. That's what I wish I had. I wish I had a recognizable tone to my voice. I don't have that to me. I, yeah, I'm, you know my voice because we've been on the phone so long we both have cauliflower ears from it. <laughs> but, uh, and you know what I'm talking about. You right. know, I don't have to explain. Speaking that. of phones. Yes, and cauliflower ears. Did you know that I went without a cell phone? Yes, I did. For know. five days. I know. It was almost like withdrawal, huh? Uh, believe it or not, I didn't miss it. No? No, I was surprised. It well, was... I missed it because I kept trying to call you, and I went, well, I can't call him because he doesn't got a fucking phone. Yeah, it... So I had to Facebook you a lot. I went and uh, I got a new iPhone. They shipped it to me, you know, because the other one was... Uh, yeah. Just the speakers went out. Just went out one day. I, I was curious, too. Remember they said that it had to be signed for? Right. And they said it was delivered the day before it really came? Right. Who signed for it? Nobody. In fact, it was stuffed in my mailbox the next day. So they just flat lied? Yeah. Huh. That would probably. be the United States Postal Service, so folks. So what they probably did is scratched, you know, a name down on the paper, mm -hmm. took it home, and then brought it back the mm -hmm. next day. Hmm. Hmm. Gee. 
What do you know? Well, anyway. But I do have... Uh, now you have it. Yes. And I'm waiting for... Now, I don't know if I've actually said this on air, but I'm I'm one of those weird people that... My favorite color, you know, most people is like blue, red, green, yellow, purple. I know. I know. Yours is funny. Mine is actually metallic. <laughs> yeah? I know. Like Metallica. <laughs> yeah. I know. It, which really kind of most of the time translates to gray. Right. You know, because because you're talking silver metallic as right. opposed to gray, or gold gold or bronze right. or copper. No, it, it is my actual yeah. favorite color is, is, silver. is silver. Yeah. You know, not I hope silver. not like <laughs> crayon silver. Yeah, no. But actual silver. Silver silver. Yeah. Um and I've got a case that's going to go and fit on my phone and I'm just like waiting. And it's silver. Yes. And <laughs> Uh, That's Sadie so and her husband purchased this for me for Christmas. They didn't realize they purchased it. No, we it, got you a gift card and you got it. Speaking yourself. of which, yes. also with the gift card, I went and it's very interesting because you've known me for years. You know I, I'm a big X-Men fan, comic fan. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go and buy back issues of X-Men. But for... Now, I've been buying like present issues of, of the X-Men, reading them on my phone. And I just haven't really cared for the the writing. Mm -hmm. Now, this writer, and I was telling you about this, uh, Scott Snyder, he was a novelist, uh, um, a detective novelist, mm -hmm. before he got hired on to write um, comic books. And he was he's an award-winning novelist. Mm -hmm. And when I heard about this, uh, I was like, ooh, you know, because people are like, He's changed the way comics are being written. I was like, oh, I gotta write, or I gotta write it, but I gotta read it. Mm -hmm. So with the the gift card, the other money that I had left over, I purchased the three volumes that he's written so far. Right. I read the first volume last night. Mm -hmm. Holy shit! Really good. Yes. Yeah. It, and it, it's called. It, it's uh, the first one. The first volume is actually Batman. Mm -hmm. It's Batman, City of Owls. 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 Okay. Uh, and the reason why he went with this is if you read in the back, he's talking about he went through and he said, like, in the nature, obviously, a joker isn't the, you know, the natural enemy of a bat. And he was doing research and he found out that an owl is the natural enemy of a bat. So that's where he came up with the owl mm. concept. Uh. But it was just like, how do I explain it? There was an autopsy scene that felt like you were watching maybe like CSI. Oh, yeah? yeah. And it was just something that you don't see in comic books. Sounds like he has more literary substance than you see in most comic books. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially nowadays, and I've been bitching about this for over a year now, is onomatopoeias are not dialogue. And onomatopoeia is a what? Oom, pop. Bing, oh, pow, oh. zam. Yeah, no, that shouldn't necessarily take the place of dialogue. There was a comic book that But I... then, isn't that what movies have done a lot, too? Especially, quote, scary, unquote, movies. Yes. That don't have anything happening except a loud... <laughs> you know? Right. And then you go, oh, shit, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Why? Because somebody yelled in your ear real loud. That's not... Good writing. It's not good writing. Or acting or anything else. And I was talking to Terry DeShure about this uh, because he's he seen how long it took me to read the – because it's a, it's a graphic novel. You mm -hmm. know, it's like uh, 150 something comic book pages. Mm. It's a good size, you know. Yeah. And he's like, oh, there's, there's you know, dialogue. And I'm like, yeah. You know, Real because, dialogue. Yeah. Because – each panel had dialogue, not just... It sounds a little like the convict volumes. Yes. <laughs> Actually. And that was one of my biggest pet peeves with comics right now. In fact, I, I edit, or he's not the editor. He was the editor-in-chief of Marvel. Now he's the chief creative officer of Marvel. His name mm. is Joe Quazada. Mm -hmm. He's a big shot. Well, I've mm -hmm. known him before he was a big shot. Mm -hmm. I actually have his home email address. Mm -hmm. So now and then I'll just drop him a, you know, this sucks kind of email. Yeah. And he'll write back, thanks for your opinion again, Dave. Appreciate your comments. Let us know again. Yeah. Uh. You know, how's the family? Blah, blah, blah. But, um, and I did. I, I wrote him. I was like, dude, the last issue of, of, I think it was an X-Men book, 
four pages. The first four fucking pages did not have a single word on it. It's just drawings? It was just drawings. And I'm like looking at the drawings, trying to put together a story in my Is head. Is it age specific or something? No, no. That's, that's <laughs> I mean... just the way Marvel is doing their comic books. And that's the reason why I've, I've actually gone to DC and started reading Batman. Mm. And going from, and it's funny you say that because it felt like reading a book for Zoe and then all of a sudden reading a book that was for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I thank you so mm-hmm. much. Again, I know you didn't you know, specifically purchase them, but you did give me the gift oh, card. Oh, well, you're more than welcome. And I'm glad you got them. In fact, after this podcast, that's what I plan on doing is sitting and reading the second volume. That's great. That's great. <clears throat> Can we digress? Absolutely. Well, actually, let's let's save this one for later. Okay. Since we're sort of talking about movies. Okay. Okay. The last time we podcasted, I believe, I mentioned uh, the producers. Yes. Okay. And how I enjoy both versions of the movie. Yeah, the one with Nathan Lane and then the other one. Um, with Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder. There we go. Zero yeah. Mustel. So, okay. And, I, and I, I misspoke a couple of things that I want to set straight. Okay. Okay. Uh, when I was talking about the more recent version that, uh, that stars, uh, Nathan Lane. Right. Um, Matthew Broderick, uh, Uma Thurman. Right. I say that properly. And Will Farrow, just name the first four. Right. Um, I was talking about, um, who it was who played the part of Hitler in the stage production that they do, that the whole story is based on. Oh, okay. okay, yes, yes. We were going on about uh, Kanye. Well, that's how it came up. Is right, because of Kanye. Okay. right. I remember so, the conversation. Okay, so, um, and, I, and I misspoke in terms of who actually did do that performance. Oh, now, okay. Will Ferrell was supposed to do, he was supposed to be, in the movie, uh, in the okay, the in story. the play, he was supposed to be Hitler. Okay, gotcha. Okay, because he was actually the author. He played the author of the story they were going to produce on Broadway. Right. Okay, and and his name was Franz Liebkind. That was his name. Franz Liebkind, yeah. Jawohl. And <laughs> and so he, be, because uh, they it shows a scene where they're. Uh, letting the various uh, men who were uh, auditioning for that part, they would get up and sing a song. And this one guy got up and sang this song, is basically, and without the German inflection, everything. Have you ever heard a German umpa band? Is the song okay? okay. But he was not doing it uh, the way Will Ferrell's character thought he should be doing it, and so he goes berserk and goes, no, no, that's not the way. This is the way. And he gets up on the stage and he does it. And um, Nathan Lane, who plays Max Bialystok, who is right. one of the producers, he says, that's <clears throat> our Hitler. So that's how Will Ferrell became the Hitler, or at least was going to be the Hitler in the stage production. Right. Well, then uh, they go through this whole thing about... Uh, Bloom, Mr. Bloom was Matthew, Matthew yes. Broderick. Um, he's they're all getting ready to do their first night you know, opening production, night. yeah, opening night, and he's telling everybody good luck, and they all freak out. No, you don't say good luck; you say break a leg, you know, because we've all heard that that uh, uh, suspicion, superstition, you know, superstition. Thank you. Uh, that you you say break a leg, and uh, no, 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 no. so he tells. Will Ferrell break a leg, you know, instead of good luck. And in the meantime, because they really do want this to fail, Bialystok, he's running around putting ladders up and telling everybody in the cast, break a leg, break a leg. Or no, good luck, good, good, good luck. luck, you know. And But anyhow, Will Ferrell goes in to get dressed and everything, and you hear this clatter crashing sound. And the next thing you hear, uh, Nathan Lane says to him, what happened? And he says, I broke my leg. So he doesn't get to actually do the Hitler part on stage because his leg is broken. Right. So they 
don't know who they're going to have do it. And then all of a sudden it occurs to Nathan Lane that Gary Beach, Gary Beach's character, Roger Debris, who they've hired to be, uh, he, whom he's, uh, Nathan Lane's hired to be a director of the play. Uh-huh. He says, you know this play inside and out, Nathan Lane says to him. You know this play inside and out. You know all the dialogue. I even see your mouth moving with the, the, the words as they're being spoken. And it's cute because as he's saying that, this guy's mouth is moving, saying what he's saying to him. It's really cute. Anyhow, uh, so he says, you have to be our Hitler. And so he does. So he actually portrays Hitler in the Broadway production of it. He does a hilarious job, by the way. So I just wanted to get that part you know, all straightened out on account okay. of it's I, I thought it was kind of important. I think it's important to give credit where credit's due. Absolutely. Gary Beach did a hell of a job doing that. Now, Dick Sean in the original. the original movie production with Gene Wilder and Zero Mostel in those title, uh, not title roles, but in those character roles, uh, Dick Sean actually auditioned for the Hitler part uh-huh. and got it and did it throughout the production. They didn't go through this whole breaking the leg thing oh, okay. and everything else like that. Uh, Debris was also... Um, in the movie, he was uh, he had a much less uh, noticeable role. Okay. They in in the the more recent version, they they played that role up considerably and made it a, a really entertaining and and interesting role. It was kind of fun. But uh, Dick Sean, who I don't believe Dick's with us anymore, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Anyhow, he did a hilarious job in in that role too but i just wanted to you know clarify and and like i said give credit where credit's due because i think it's it's only fair to do that and gary beach is a or at least was i assume he's still with us he was a a very funny uh character in this uh and and so also was the guy who played his um mate so to speak um his well, they called each other Darling and everything. They were right. attached at the hip. Partners. In more ways than one. Um, domestic partners. Domestic partners. His, uh, what is the guy's name? Why is it not in here? I don't understand that. Gary Beach's name is here. Roger. Oh, Carmen Gia was his name in the movie. Right. I love that. Uh, Roger Bart. And he's also very, very, very funny. Very... Uh, casting in this thing was terrific, terrific. But this one is is a musical, whereas the Zero Mostel Gene Wilder one was not right. a musical. So it, it took on a whole different flavor. It, it, it you know it was almost like a different show in, right. in many respects. So, but anyway, <clears throat> and then I have another thing. We were talking about um, that if we were breathing at the end of 2014 we'd think we had accomplished something but that we did kind of want to have our uh wits about us and whatnot right well here's something to do or here's something your family can do if you should find yourself at the end of of that path without uh your wits about you or breathing okay and i'll read the headline okay and see how this sets with you. I, you. I think you'd be surprised how it set with me. Italian man turns dead son's ashes into diamond by spending uh, 11.14 uh, oh, I don't even know what the heck kind of money that is. I guess it's lira uh, or some kind of Italian money. Okay. Anyhow, a bunch. It turns out to be in terms of okay, in terms of uh, U.S. cash dollars, $18,000. So let's, let's reread that, read that. Italian man turns dead son's ashes into diamond by spending $18,000 cash. New York. Introducing a new fad. If you want to preserve the memory of your dear ones, get their ashes compressed into synthetic diamonds. It can cost you up to $18,000 a stone. Actually, it can cost you up to more than that. Really? Does he need something? Do we need to stop? No, it's not. Oh, okay. It doesn't look like it's picking okay. up. Because he came in. I didn't know if he was hungry or, or what. Uh, a man in Italy did something incredibly touching 
after his 20-year-old son died in a car accident earlier this year, he turned his son's remains into a diamond that will endure and be passed down to family members for generations to come. The devastated dad exhumed and cremated the 20-year-old's body before sending the ashes off to Switzerland so they could be compressed into the gemstone. The father sent the ashes to a firm in Switzerland that specializes in turning them into something they call remembrance diamonds. Hmm. The whole process took about eight months. No doubt this man may have earned lots of criticism in his nation as he is an Italian with Catholic roots and Italy still regards cremation as taboo, which I did not know. But still, the father went ahead with the idea of creating something precious and indestructible and beautiful out of such a tragic and terrible accident. This is the first case of its kind in Italy that a father got his son's remains, son's remains converted into a diamond so then he can keep them with the family forever. The young son, killed in a car crash earlier this year, had already been buried in his hometown of some place I can't pronounce in Italy uh, when his 55-year-old father came up with the idea. Remembrance diamonds are created by filtering and refining the carbon found in cremated ashes, then secured in a chamber where intense pressure and temperature, similar to that of a, of a volcano, are applied, creating a synthetic diamond, the local reported, the local being a newspaper uh, somewhere there in Italy, I suppose. Uh, according to reports, the process of converting the ashes into remembrance diamonds can cost as much as 18000 And then uh, my husband, who had printed this out for me, he also printed out a price list. Uh-huh. And uh, you can get a, a family pair, it says. I presume that means two stones uh, of either one, uh, 0.10 or 0.19 carats size, ranging in that, for about $2,400 each. And you get two of... you. An order of two, so I guess that means uh, the order would cost about five thousand. Okay. For the two, and then they have different sizes. They also have different stones you can get. Um, a yellow, you can get a yellow one. They're a little more expensive for that same size. Um, you can get a blue one. Uh, it's even a little more, about $2,600 for a blue uh, small stone. And, and a 0. 0.10 to 0. 0.19 is what they call melly stones. Those are like little accent, what we call accent stones okay. uh, here in this country. Uh, the bigger stones, uh, bigger price, let's say half a carat, for example, um, of a blue one, or no, a colorless, okay, which is just, you know, what, what we call a clear diamond is, right, right. you know, the colorless. Uh, for a half carat, it runs right around $8,000 per, uh, per stone. So, and his, his was a bigger, I think his was a carat, if I'm not mistaken, it was a carat size. Uh, well, it doesn't actually say, but it had to have been. Uh, well, and that also includes the exhumation and all that other stuff that he had to go through, too. Then you can get a red one. You can get, uh, you know, green, uh, all of which na diamonds do occur naturally in those colors as right. well, too. So, uh, but anyway, um, I just, uh, Ernie uh, found this on the computer somehow or other, and he, if, when he said it to me, at first he read the headline, and I went, ew, and then I went, you know, really, I think that's, in a way, that's kind of a cool thing. It is. I think so. I mean, let's face it. The earth is getting smaller by the day. Right. In terms of how many people we try to support here in this uh, ecology, <laughs> if that's the right word. Um, and, you know, we take up a lot of space with bodies. Right. Either toasted or not. So why not do something like that? Save the space, as it were. Uh, and you got you got something that is a that, you know you can look at it and go well there's Harry you know hi Harry how you doing you know I don't know I th I, I think I would do it I think I would much rather have a diamond on the mantle than ashes oh yeah oh for sure yeah or out in the ground somewhere right that you had to go and visit you know and take flowers to which 
uh, we don't want to go there, but never never worked for me. But uh, yeah, I I I I like the idea. I, I if if it was me and I had the bucket, um, I think I think I would rather have a uh, a stone that I could look at and say that's my honey, that's my sweetheart. He's always with me. Even if I were younger and hoped to remarry, for right. example, right. you know, I would still I, I think that that would be an appropriate thing to have around because you could, you know, again, in that same setting or scenario, if you had a, an oncoming second husband, let's say, or wife or whatever, right. you know, there'd still be the, the grave to visit and all that other crap anyhow. So you still have that aspect of your um, existence to deal with right why not have it be uh, a precious stone i I think it's a nice idea i i think it's a very good idea i'd I'd be curious to hear what our our listeners think if if anything at all about it i'm sure that there, there may be some who consider it to be a huge sacrilege and and uh gee i'm sorry but i don't no <laughs> i don't no, cons- not at because all. for me anyhow once the body's used up it's pretty much used it's up done, right you know now my mom mother always said when she was getting on in years that she didn't want to be uh toasted uh cremated she wanted to be buried mm-hmm. intact and I never, I was telling Ernie when we were talking about this, I said, I'm not sure why, unless, because she was quite religious, and you know, and she 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 believed that uh, someday Christ would come back to the, the world right. and call his faithful, and they would rise from the grave and go to heaven with him. Well, uh, maybe she felt like if she got cremated, that wouldn't happen for her, I don't know. But here's the funny thing, we never uh, embalmed mom, because... Uh-huh. We didn't have to, you know, legally, you don't have to embalm a body. Right. At least not in California. Um, and so uh, we just said our goodbyes and closed the box and put her in the ground. So she ain't in too good a shape now. Anyhow, right. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what she would have thought about that. Because, you know, I'm sure at some point she used to imagine herself as lying there in the casket looking all beautiful and everything, being happy in heaven. And all her loved ones coming by and going, oh, look how beautiful she looks, and, you know, sobbing and whatever the fuck. Um, and it just so didn't happen for her that way, because practically everybody she knew was already gone. Right. You know? <laughs> and we have a small family, so <clears throat> I don't know. Anyhow, um, if I could if I could, and I had the money, I would totally do that. I would dig them back up, burn what's in there. Right. You know, cuz I mean at least there's 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 what do you call it? Skeletal remains. Right. You know, and have diamonds made out of them and have, say here's my mom and my dad. I would totally do that. that. I, honestly, I think that's awesome. I do too. I I I really like the idea. I I I don't know whatever made him think of it or anything, you know, but I just I think <clears throat> it's just extremely cool that that he did that and they did that and it got done. So there you go. All right. So that's my input for, and that's so off the beaten track. It's okay for, because I'm going to pull it back. You're gonna? Did I segue again inadvertently? You know, you know <laughs> how I know it's this is going to be a great year. Ah, no. Okay, let me set the stage. It's an even number. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber, our dear <laughs> good friend Justin the Biebs. Bieber. Now, he's been over in Australia for a while. Still there? Mm-hmm. He's still there? Well, I think he finally took off, but he, oh. he had been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I found out the reason why is not only was he trying to sell tickets to a show. That nobody wanted to buy. Right. Right. But when his CDs come out, they're like internationally, they're one of the biggest countries to purchase the beat. Oh, yeah? His new albums. Oh, yeah? Right? Yeah. So he makes like... I think they said between four, three and four million albums are sold right there, just oh. in, in Australia. So he was there sucking a little to get a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah, well, hey. Well, since he was there, you know, he was tagging places and, and you know, pissing in pots and right. doing this and Generally spitting on people. Generally misbehaving and whatnot. Well, his new album came out. Yes. 
And the good, fine people of Australia yeah. said, nay. Said, oh, I think I'll pass. Our dear, good friend Justin Bieber went from selling three to four million copies to selling 3,100 and change Ooh. copies Ouch. In, that the, had to hurt. in the country Ooh. of Australia. That had to hurt a lot. And that, to me, dear friends, Whoa. was an indicator that this year it's gonna be is going to be a good year. Well, that's it for the first week of 2014. Mm-hmm. I am David K. Montoya. I am S. City Burbank. And for the 31st time, I had that. <laughs> Easy for you to say. For the 31st time, you've heard what we think. And now you know. Good Don't night. Don't forget to email us. Not what we know, because we don't know shit. What we think. <laughs> David K. Montoya, S.H. Burbank Podcast. Or S.H. Burbank, David K. Montoya Podcast. <laughs> the game plan, yeah. The, uh, the show. Let's make it up. Let's actually make it. And see, I came up with more. Not what we know, because we don't know shit.